Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth episode of the VUCA podcast. Today, I have Steffi joining me. Steffi is a feminist leader who calls herself Chief Feminist Feminism Officer, CFO. She is on a mission to advocate for women and girls' equal rights and uses her voice on various platforms to challenge the roles and stereotypes that lead to inequalities and exclusion. Steffi leverages her 11 years of corporate expertise to support organizations in the development sector to build long-term strategies centered around diversity and inclusion. Through her work, Steffi helps organizations to successfully implement key strategic initiatives that push forward the global gender equality agenda. Welcome, Steffi. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on, to have you as a friend, to see you in this new era of your career. As a gender consultant, how would you explain the word gender consultant to a 10-year-old? What does your work entail? So I would, I would simply say that my work entails creating a more equal world, right? And if I had to explain it to a 10-year-old and having, having to dumb it down a little bit would be to tell them that it's about creating equality for boys and girls and maybe through the use of examples of, you know, showing them how it starts from a very early age, you know, the narrative that they hear perpetrates these gender biases right from don't throw a ball like a girl don't cry like a girl you know um so all of those small nuances is what you know leads us to where we are today okay you know what i like about what you're saying is that i've been the type of individual who's been fighting gender biases since I was a child. I didn't even know they existed. But I remember uh, talking to my partner last night and saying, I remember asking my mom, why can't women be teachers? Why can't women be pastors? Not understanding that um, I was already in a society that had different roles for women. So I wasn't seeing that representation myself. I remember asking, I want to be a police woman. I don't remember police women in in Kenya, I only said, so yeah. real police. <laughs> so, yes, why, exactly. so why is it important for us to, you know, to start at an early age engaging in this type of conversation about uh, gender biases and gender roles? Why would you say it's important for us to start at, the, at a very early age? It's important. I mean, even if we look at early, at, at the evolution of a child, right, then we see the consequences that Today, we see in the public sphere, in the private sector, where you have very few women at the top. These, like Women are still underrepresented today, right? And to your point, it, it comes with representation, you know, because if you didn't grow up seeing a, a preacher who's a woman or a policeman who's a woman, you know, all of that builds into what you as a young woman will grow up to believe you can become, you know, then it leads to that low self-esteem, low self-confidence, and then you don't raise your hand for leadership position, right? So let's start early so that we, we start seeing more representation in the corporate world, in the public sphere. I mean, I, I, was, I was reading some data last weekend and 
I, I came across something that really shocked me around how in 2020, yeah. only 13 women were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. 13, that's 2.6% of CEOs were women. And they were mainly, um, they were all white women. So we even see that women of color are even more underrepresented. You know, we are lagging behind white male, uh, black male, you know, and white women. So there is definitely still a lot of work to do because we know that equality drives a better society, you know, and economically countries do better when women participate more. The world does better when women participate more. You know what? Exactly. Up until this point of our conversation, I have already started to see why it's important to have a, a gender consultant, a gender expert, because these are things that, and especially you being a woman in this space and a woman of color, I think that already really stands out because then you have the ability to articulate what it is that we go through. You have the ability to make sure that companies are opening that space for us because as you said, it's very easy for us to end up being invisible. And that's why I suppose you're here. Which leads me to my exactly. next question. According to you, Steffi, what is the most effective way to address gender issues in a workplace? So there's there's very um, there's a lot of small strategic initiatives that companies can undertake in the workplace that will come go a long way, right? In 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 balancing it out, and it it goes from, for example, having you know um, discussions around you know these gender biases that we 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 have. Um, if companies would invest in training around our unconscious biases, and again, these trainings are either for male and female employees, because even us as female, we perpetrate, you know, these gender biases. So starting really with, you know, unconscious biases training, and it doesn't mean that the attitudes, right, is going to change automatically, but at least it starts raising awareness, right, around these issues. And something else that I think is really powerful is being transparent around agenda statistics within a company, you know, companies shouldn't shy away from publishing internally, you know, data around gender, how many women do they have in leadership position, um, publishing data around gender um, pay gap, you know, um, and, and by doing that, I think the transparency then drives accountability, right? Because then you can push managers to, you give them targets around uh, gender diversity, you know, and, and if they don't meet that, these targets, then it should be reflected in their performance, you know. So it is in these small things. I, I'm thinking also around, we majority of companies have these um, policies around discrimination and sexual harassment. But you know what I find, and from the time I was in corporate, is that a lot of us don't understand what's 
what's included in those policies, right? What what does it give us the right to do or not to do? You know, like raising that education around these policies so that when a, a, a woman or a man find themselves in, in, in those kind of situations, for example, sexual harassment, they know what's available to, what action they can undertake. Because I think a lot of us are scared to report cases of sexual harassment, for example, because you don't want it to retaliate and you find yourself, you know, losing your job or things like that. So really educating employees around these kind of policies, because I do believe companies uh, across the world have done a good job uh, at implementing these policies, but it's the education around, you know, the awareness around these policies. And my last one and my favorite one that companies can take is really around uh, flexible work arrangements, right? Because I do believe that flex that, that flexibility supports women we all even now during COVID-19 and this pandemic you know they're having to juggle you know homeschooling uh, home care having to perform at work you know as an employer be more flexible uh, implement things like no meetings before nine or no meetings after four so they have time to set you know set up their kids for online learning do whatever they need to do and then show up at work you know and their performance should be about the deliverables the target but instead of the time they spend online or physically at work so these are small things that for me if companies are committed can implement and definitely will go a long way oh man you are speaking my language i feel like you are in the right space to really advocate for our voices something as simple as training Something as simple as the timing at work, that is so big because you and I are actually just having a conversation about women and the time of the month when we're on our menses. And these are yes. things that we can't control, yet we have to be able to still perform at the same level, show up at the same time. You're juggling a sick child who you didn't, you didn't intend for them to be sick, but the child does not want to be with the dad. The child wants to be with the mom. So what do you do when you're this corporate boss queen, but at the same time, you are juggling other roles? So, Steffi, please don't stop what you're doing. Continue speaking this language, getting other companies to get you in and really just re-up, uh, re-look at their policies and how they mm. are making these spaces comfortable for us. As exactly. Yeah. And so that leads me to... Uh, my next question, I want to go into the work that you're passionate about, the work that you're doing based on my first question on how early are we passing on this information about, about gender equality. And, and I want you to please take this moment to tell me about your work at G4G and your work at the Rwanda Refugee Camp. So tell me what's the impact of the work you're doing? What are the challenges you're facing? What opportunities are available and how can the community play a role? So this is your moment. The floor is yours. Thank you so much. Um, 
I, I mean, this is my passion project. These are my babies. You know, I, I, I love the time that I spent uh, volunteering in these two programs. So I will start with the first one, the one that you call G4G, which stands for Girls for Girls, right? I started being involved in that initiative two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, Girls for Girls was founded in 2017. Um, it was a group of women that were at, uh, going, they were attending Harvard and they were doing their master in public administration. It was a group of about nine women that came from across the world. And through discussion and coming together, they found that there was one common challenge they had in all the countries where they were from, which was the underrepresentation of women in the public sphere you know so they said what can we do about how can we solve that participate in solving that challenge right mm-hmm. so through the help of harvard and the professors they had in in the master in public administration they built this global mentorship program that they all then went when they graduated and all went back home started mm-hmm. implementing in the countries where where they were from, right? Um, Where this mentorship program really looks at empowering girls to lead. And again, it starts at a very critical age. They start, they, we, we look at girls from the age of 15 all the way to, you know, 25 when they've started their career, right? They're entering the workplace. How do we keep them in the workplace, mm-hmm. you know? And um, part of what, what, what this program is about is what, why I'm passionate about it is we have like three pillars. The first one around mentorship circles. So we approach mentorship the African way of building circles where it's not a one-on-one mentoring. It's no. almost like a community. It's a village. You know, the whole concept as like we are part of the village and we counsel each other. I love that. So we create smaller circles of about 10 people where you would have like eight mentees and two mentors. And then the beauty of doing it in, in community, in group, it builds the sisterhood and, you know, it starts, you know, empowering them because then they can help advise their friends. So yeah. it's not about always about us as mentors we're teaching them some, something, yeah. you know. Then the second pillar is inspiration and learning. So what we do in that, inspiration is about bringing guest speakers. You spoke earlier about the, the lack of representation and role models, right? Mm-hmm. So we believe in sharing, that through sharing our stories, these girls start to identify, to be inspired, to also want to go after that. So we always have like a guest speaker in our session. And the learning piece is we were fortunate enough that um, uh, Harvard professors built content and learning material, you know, around communication, negotiation, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, ethics and values. So there's that component where they get to learn that. And finally, it's about the networking, opening their world to a global network. Because once you join G4G, it's not just about your country. I mean, I joined G4G South Africa, but I'm part of a sisterhood, a global one. You know, I get support from my East African sisters when we're running programs. Uganda, Kenya is very involved. We have the U.S., Malaysia. So it's, it's the beauty of tapping into a global network. And, and we start seeing really 
the impact very early. You know, we'll hear some of these girls say, I ran to be, you know, a, a school rep at my school. Yeah. You know, I, I did this in my community at church. So, you know, we start seeing as they graduate from the program uh, impact very early. Yeah. Wow. So it, 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 it's very exciting. Yeah. I can feel your energy from all the way over here. I wish there was a program like G4G when I was 15 because I remember. Right? Yeah, I remember, you know, leading. I remember being president of clubs and and just not really knowing what was there beyond high school. So if there was somebody to mentor me and say that, yes, it's fine. Once you get into maybe corporate or entrepreneurship, um, this is how you continue to build the skill of leadership. Then I feel like that would be such a valuable, um, you know, source of, source of input in my life at that age, as opposed to everything else that I was seeing. And now I know you're not just other than G4G and networking yeah. and three powerful pillars. Yeah. There's also this work that you're doing at the Rwanda refugee camp. Um, can you yes. take some time to tell us about that initiative? Perfect. I mean, I, I, even though I keep saying I'm passionate about G4G and I've done all this work, then there's nothing more fulfilling than to get to do it with people from my country. So I'm originally from Burundi in East Africa. And in 2015, Burundi went through a political crisis that led to a lot of uh, refugee, you know, fleeing in neighboring countries, Rwanda being one of them, right? So Rwanda found itself with a big refugee crisis in 2015. They had to build a refugee camp for Burundians. Uh, the camp is called Mahama Refugee Camp. Okay. You have about 60,000 Burundians in that, in that camp since 2015. And so what happened is in January this year, there's, a, there's an initiative called Ubuntu Academy that was launched um, by members of the Burundian diaspora. Uh, it's, a, it's a small group. They, there are about six to seven people that are based in Europe and North America. And they kept thinking, you know, over the last year, they were brainstorming and saying, what can we do to empower our brothers and sisters that are refugees in Rwanda so they can be active participants in the economy of the country, but being really taking charge of their life in the camp, right? Yeah. So then, so then what, what happened is they built uh, this program called Ubuntu Academy, which is six modules, right? Where they take these refugees through skills, uh, like for example, around health and environment, around audiovisual skills so that they can become sound technicians, you know? So there were various modules. Yeah. And when I saw the launch of the event, there was one particular module that attracted my attention, which was resilience and leadership for young girls. I automatically raised my hand for it because, again, it's a passion for me, but also I had built, you know, the expertise through being part of G4G for the last two years, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, what can I do with, with, with them? So what we've done is we've started a pilot program where 20 
uh, young women um, that have already showcased leadership capabilities within the camp. So they were very already very active in their community in the camp. So yeah. they were selected so that we can do a train the trainer program yeah. in light of. So they are between 19 and 25. But the goal is to then get them to train younger girls, teenage girls on leadership and resilience, you know, because they're facing challenges like uh, teenage pregnancies, you know. Um, and so, so how do they start, you know, uh, empowering these young girls at, 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 you know, at a much younger age? So we started with these 20 girls. And, and again, something that came out of COVID, uh, which accelerated the adoption of digital tool, right? So then now we are able, while I'm sitting in South Africa, facilitate leadership workshop yeah. for refugees that are in the camp in Rwanda. So we partnered with an NGO called Maison Shalom. So they provide the infrastructure, you know, they have training facilities, IT labs where they can get given a laptop, a headset, and then us members of the diaspora can log in and, and facilitate this via Zoom. So it's such an exciting time for us, for the camp, because yeah. the, the pilot will run until September and then we'll start, you know, rolling it out uh, widely uh, across the camp. Yeah. Oh, Steffi, like this is, this is speaking to my soul. This is, you're speaking about technology. You're speaking about training the trainers, which is empowerment. You know, you're speaking about representation because as much as we're diaspora, you're still an African woman. You are still a Burundi um, native. You are still, an, you know, you're speaking the language. And the, the message really does hit a lot different when it comes from somebody who can relate to. And that actually now, you know, I want to blend in some two questions as we're leading up to the end of this, um, of this chat to just say, how can, how can the community participate, right? Because what really is, is mentorship? Because you're saying that you saw there was a specific module on uh, leadership and inclusiveness that, that stood out to you. And you're like, you know what? I'm volunteering. I'm going to raise my hand up. I'm going to work on this because I have some sort of experience. So let me know, like, how can community play a role? And while you're answering that, just touch on what is mentorship? Why is it important? And how is it working on bridging that gender gap? Perfect. So how can the community get involved? Um, let me speak first about G4G, right? Um, and then I'll get into the, the program for Rwanda. Uh, when it comes to G4G, we have this bold aspiration that by 2025, we are going to have empowered 1 million girls across the globe. You see, so this is a very bold target. So how can the community help? I'm inviting women across the globe to join us, to join forces, right? Because without, you know, creating a huge pipeline of mentors, we're not going to be able to attain 
and impact that many girls, right? In such a small period of time, because we have only four years left, right? Uh, so I'm inviting everyone to come join us as mentors. Um, it's called projectg4g.org. You can find it on the internet and then you can easily sign up as a mentor. And the beauty about G4G is that when our mentees graduate, they usually come back to become mentors themselves. So do you, under, do you see the amplifying effect as, as the initiative grows? So that's as simple as that is join us as a mentor. When it comes to the Rwanda program, right, mm -hmm. we're dealing with a, a, a fairly different uh, dynamic, right, because recruiting mentors that don't necessarily speak because we've realized uh, language is a huge barrier. So they do speak the English and French, but at a very low level. So it would be hard unless it's a mentor who speaks Kirundi to join us. So instead, we are getting people to please donate through Maison Shalom. There's ways to assist us. For example, we are trying to raise funds to improve the Wi-Fi connectivity so that we can, you know, uh, improve the bandwidth and have more computers being able to get connected during the sessions. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's about helping us with equipment, but also maybe sponsor a, a girl to go to university, you know, so helping them get an education because we do know that a girl who's educated the impact on her family and her community is bigger. It goes beyond just herself getting that education. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do raise funds to get bursaries for them to then go and attend uh, universities and schools in Rwanda. So that's how the community get, can get involved. On your last question yeah. around, you know, why is mentorship, is mentorship able to bridge that gap? Exactly. Research do show that mentorship plays a big role in bridging the, 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 the gender inequality gap, right? Uh, why? I've spoken earlier about the lack of confidence, for example, that women have, and that they carry that and prevents them from, you know, stepping up and going after leadership position. We've seen that through mentorship, you know, through them interacting with other people they can relate to, you know, they can identify to. It, it, it builds that confidence, right? And, and companies, we often, when there's in, um, assessments that are being done internally to say, why are women not uh, applying for senior, for senior jobs? Mentorship keeps coming back. It's like women tend to have a harder time finding a mentor within an organization, you know. So companies should be more intentional about pushing that because, again, it builds that confidence, that self-esteem, and also it gives them um, an ability to network with senior leadership, mm -hmm. you know, and start seeing you know, what are some of the interests that senior members of an organization have so that you can, you know, uh, market yourself, tailor yourself to that. And there has been also a huge correlation that usually women who do have mentors tend to find a sponsor easier. And, you know, we all know that you need a sponsor to get to climb the, the, the corporate ladder without a 
and and mentorship and sponsorship are two different things right the sponsorship is about getting an influential person that speaks about you when when they're having all these executive meetings so usually mentorship helps helps you breach that gap and get to find yourself a sponsor so definitely i continue encouraging mentorship program and again there's not a it's not too early to start mentoring young girls you know it it goes a long way yeah oh Steffi, like we need three hours for this conversation actually each question is a podcast recording of its own <laughs> And so I am just so honored to have you come and enlighten us on this project. And without a fail, I can feel your passion and I can feel it because A, I relate to you. I, I do my own mentorship by leading by example as much as I can, because I'm always fighting um, ghosts, always fighting what you said earlier, imposter syndrome. Um, in the entrepreneurship space, there's nobody clapping for you. There's nobody saying, go on to this next level. Go on to-. So you have to do it on your own, fight your own thing, and then still step up. And hopefully when people see you, they also get motivated to do um, their own, to, to step into their own forms of leadership. So what would be your last words in this, in this state? So for example, just think about, uh, I can't, I can't, I'm a woman. I am listening to Steffi today, the gender consultant, the gender expert, and, and I don't have access to necessarily immediately participate with girls for girls. And I'm not, um, able to participate with Rwanda, uh, the Rwanda refugee camp. What can I do in my space? What are your last words for somebody who is like, look, wherever you are, there is room for mentorship. There's room to inspire. What last words would you have for that person? I love your question because you can start where you are. You don't have to be part of already structured, you know, programs like G4G or, or the Ubuntu Academy. You can start where you are, whether it's in, again, whether it's in your workplace, you know, you, you, you see other women colleagues of yours, you know, give them a hand, you know, boost their confidence when they've done something right tell them they've done something right you're sitting in a boardroom and she makes a comment support her emphasize that comment and if you are a a male um counterpart you know you can be our allies in this fight you know let's say you you are sitting in a meeting and uh, your boss sends a female to go make coffee for everyone say something about that say no uh, you know, I can go and help doing it, you know, or, you know, you can be allies in so many ways, but you can start where you are, you know, you can start at home as well, you know, in your family dynamics, when you see these gender imbalance being perpetrated in your home, you know, speak up, speak up. So start where you are. I started where I was with my younger sisters and it evolved into me joining G4G, but I was doing informal mentorship before that. Yeah. Oh, Steffi, thank you so much. Last word from Steffi is start where you are. You do not have to be in a formal 
program that is already happening. Just be conscious of your role as a Black African woman and how you're leading by example to let other young girls coming behind you to know that they can also step up in their respective spaces. Our next EMAG is going to be coming out on May 10th. And that is where you'll be able to find this awesome link of our interview. Steffi, thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. Asante sana. Au revoir. Pour la Thank you.